You are listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, a weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today we are talking about data visualization, the often overlooked basics. <music> first episode about visualizations this year and there will be many more comings this year because there's a lot of things going on in that space and um, we also have a new data visualization special interest group here that is open for everybody to join And you'll hear something more about that uh, here on the podcast. There is the Wonderful Wednesday initiative where you can learn on a monthly basis how to create better data visualization and get feedback on what you're doing. And not just on general data sets, but on real case studies, of course, anonymized and, and uh, de-identified, but actually data sets that reflect what you're working on on a day-to-day -day basis and so check out the articles that i have put on linkedin in terms of wonderful wednesdays and learn more about this if you love what you're hearing here then please i have just one ask for you tell your colleagues about it tell your friends that are also statisticians about it so that many more people can benefit from this free content. If you're only listening this podcast through the browser, but would like to listen it also while running or doing homework or things like that, you can also listen that uh, through your smartphone. Probably every podcast app will have this podcast on top of it. Also, you can listen to it via Spotify or YouTube. So, search for the best way to listen to this podcast. The podcast is produced in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading, promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the video-on-demand content library free registration to all PSI webinars and much, much more. Visit the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about the PSI activities, including also the wonderful Wednesdays, and become a PSI member today. Welcome to the first part on visualization. So today, maybe I sound a little bit different. That's because I'm not in my home office, but I'm recording from a hotel on the road, so to say. So please forgive the little bit of different sound quality, but I'm sure the content will be really, really good. Talking about visualization, why is visualization so important? So first, it helps to better explain things. It helps for people that are non-statisticians to easier grasp the concepts. Actually, it also helps for statisticians to better understand the data. Um, but especially for non-statisticians, 
it's much easier to understand the data if they can actually see them. Another topic is that you can much better explain uncertainty, variation. By showing, for example, the individual patient outcomes, you can much better give a sense of how big the variation is or maybe how small the variation is. Rather than giving a standard deviation or standard error, which most people can not really relate to. So that is a good reason. The next good reason is also that it helps to remember things better. So if you have seen a picture that much more easily sticks in your mind and you can remember what you were seeing there, you can better remember the numbers, how the different numbers, maybe from different treatment groups or subgroups, how they relate to each other. And so that's also a really, really powerful thing. Just look, for example, in um, sales material. You will hardly any find a table in there. Nearly everything is a picture, is a graphic. And that's for a reason. These people are trained to convey information in a very, very short time period. So such a sales call is sometimes you know, just two minutes and you need to convey the message really, really clear, really, really fast. That's a good reason for using visualization. Tables are really good, for example, checking exact numbers and things like that. But to communicate data uh, in a presentation, in a report, in a manuscript, it's really good to also have visualizations. So let's dive into this topic of the visualization. First, if you visualize something, you need to be clear about the goal of the visualization. Visualization is a communication tool. And like any other communication, you should be first clear about what goal you want to achieve here. So it's the same as if you want to give a presentation. What's the goal of your presentation? If you write an email, what's the goal of your email? Be clear about these and that will help you to check whether your visualization is effective. An effective visualization achieves its goal. An ineffective visualization doesn't. It's that simple. So therefore you need to have the, the goal clear. There's a couple of other reasons why you need to have a clear and also aligned goal. We'll go into that later. So roughly there are two types of visualization. The first is explanatory visualization. So that is when you already have a story and you want to really convey that message, then you have um, something, usually a graphic, high quality, fine-tuned, looking into all the details, and you spend a lot of time on just developing this specific graph. You take care of the legends, the colors, how to place everything there, the, the title, the footnote, everything is very, very highly customized. And then there is the other way of looking into it, and that is 
exploratory visualizations. So think of a dashboard, yeah, where you have maybe a couple of different graphics in there and you can interact with the data, where you can sort the data, filter the data, um, change the endpoints that you are looking into, uh, change the different graph types that you're looking into. And so you can understand the data, explore the data. That, you know, maybe something that is just for you. Or another example would be you have a um, safety review and you want to look into all the different data. You first look maybe just high level and then you drill down to the patient level. So this is exploratory data visualization. So this is something that we can actually use and should use much more. I had one student in my leadership program that went one day to a physician triggered by our leadership program to understand how he was doing his safety reviews. And that physician was looking into long lists in Excel to ballpark all the different safety findings and understand all the data there and took him about a day to understand all the data, um, going backwards and forwards and sorting, filtering and whatsoever, uh, these listings. And then the student in this leadership program said, hmm, I can do that probably better and help you to do that better. So he um, came up with an interactive visualization that he programmed and that helped the physician to do his job in a fraction of the time and probably with higher quality. And that is something that I think is quite often observed. Instead of producing hundreds, thousands of tables, it's probably better to set up a dashboard where you can look through all the data, maybe together with your safety team, your study team, your project team, and therefore really understand the data. So that is good if you're going into a submission, if you have a first readout of the data. Of course, well, I've first would look into what's the primary and secondary endpoints, but then you also want to look into how consistent the results are. And you also want to look into, is it the same for different analysis approaches, for different uh, estimates, for different sensitivity analysis? Is it the same across different subgroups? Does it really make a difference if I change the cut points for these subgroups? So there are lots of things where this exploratory data analysis really helps. Explanatory case studies we see all the time. You know, you go to a conference and you see the presentations, the posters. You look into publications and you see they are really, really nice graphics or maybe just graphics that look like all the others. But what I really want you to look into is some sales material that you have in your company 
or that if you work for a CRO, that maybe your sponsor uses, or any other customer-facing teams. How do they present their data? So medical liaisons, for example, how do they interact with uh, key opinion leaders? How do they present the data? Now, the next topic that you need to take care of is who's the audience? Like every other communication, again, you need to think about who's the audience? Who is receiving? Who's looking at this visualization? Is it just you? Yeah, because this dashboard is just for you. Then, you know, that has different consequences of you doing explanatory visualization that needs to be standalone in a poster or maybe standalone in a, in a digital environment where more or less everybody looks at it. So that has different consequences. Or are you giving a presentation just to key opinion leaders that have a very, very high level of understanding of, of the therapeutic area? Are you presenting to other statisticians at a conference that also has a different impact. And then, of course, the medium that you're presenting. Is that a presentation on a, on a stage? Is that contained in an email? Is that on a homepage, on a webpage? Is it in a paper? Is it in the electronic supplement of the paper? So these environments also play a role because then you will have different features, more prominent or less prominent. If you, for example, have a presentation on stage, you can probably omit a lot of uh, annotations there. You don't need to have very, very long titles. You need to don't need to have, you know, every legend and everything kind of very, very clearly laid out because the presenter can talk to it. The presenter can add context to it. The presenter can answer questions about it. If, however, that is on a paper, it needs to be standalone. And also, there's much more time that people spend uh, looking into a graphic in a paper. Whereas in a presentation, maybe that graphic is just on the screen for 30 seconds, maybe less. So it needs to have much less explanations, annotations around it. it, needs to be really much more focused. The time aspect anyway has a big impact. Is it in an advisory report where you show a graphic and then you talk 20 minutes to it? Is it in a report where people have, you know, all the time they need to digest it? Or it is in a sales call where you have just a couple of seconds, basically, to show it. And, you know, you need to grasp the, the takeaway message directly, very, very, very fast. And then there's another uh, environmental thing. Who is the presenter? Is there actually one? Is the presenter, yeah, the sales rep that may not have the statistical education that you have? Is that maybe you're presenting yourself? Then that's a different thing. What I unfortunately see a lot in all different organizations is that that is completely ignored. What I very, very often see is, ah, oh, we make this um, nice graphic for the study report or for the FDA submission or whatsoever, and then we copy it everywhere. 
We just copy it into the paper, we copy it onto a slide set, we copy it and copy it. And you don't know how far these pictures actually travel in your organization. They travel up to the customers. They travel up to the payer negotiations. They travel to the sales reps that discusses that with the GP somewhere. I once had a really, really insightful moment. A couple of years ago, the GM where I was working under made everybody that was sitting in the office, so not a field force, to spend the day with a sales rep. And I'm not sure whether I talked about the story already on the podcast, but at first I didn't really understand why I should do that. But we'll take it, learn from it, I thought, so, so I embraced it and actually had a very, very nice uh, time with, uh, with the sales rep in Munich. And what I recognized is there was one picture that I still remember that he had in his material. And that was a picture that I actually did. It was a graphic from my own study. And I was looking at it and thinking, interesting. I have so many publications, posters, whatsoever about that study with lots of sophisticated analysis, sophisticated tables. But what really ends up with the customer is this very, very simple Kaplan-Meier curves uh, with this time to discontinuation analysis. And then it really struck me. Then I realized pictures, the graphics are really, really important. They get copied and copied and copied. And if they are good, easy to understand, then they're really copied. If they're not easy to understand, then they are adapted. So someone else downstream will take it and say, hmm, that's not good enough for me. That's not easy to grasp for the audience. So let's change the title. Let's change the footnotes. Let's change the axes. Mm, let's take this part of the graphic out. Mm, we don't want to show this part because it, it's confusing. And then you end up with something that looks very, very different from what you have originally thought about. Maybe it's better. Maybe it's worse. Maybe the person that works on that downstream doesn't have that good of an understanding like you have and therefore makes, mis makes mistakes. Is that his fault or is that your fault? That will happen. It will surely happen. Just look into some marketing material and trace it back to what was the original graphic report, probably a table, and understand how it changes uh, within your company. In terms of exploratory analysis, what are the typical questions? We look into lots of, lots of different endpoints. Very often so, so depends on which therapeutic area I look into. But there are some therapeutic areas where you have just long, long lists of, of endpoints. You may want to look into lots of different time points, subgroups. Maybe you want to display summary statistics like in a forest plot. So with a mean and a confidence interval or not ratio and confidence interval. 
Maybe you want to dig really deep into your data with patient-level data for safety analysis. Maybe you look across studies. Maybe you looked into your safety pool across lots of lots of studies. There's one, I think, pretty extreme example where we need to explore a lot of data and understand really, really well our data. And then that is the case when you actually are launching a new product and now you have to face the German HTA system. If you have no clue about the German HTA system, then I would encourage you to just go back in your player probably quite some time to go into the interview with Carsten Schwenke that we um, recorded quite some time ago um, and which kind of guides through, through the German HTA system. In a nutshell, what you do there is you look into all patient-relevant endpoints, so that also includes lots of the safety analysis, and the German HTA system wants to look into all these endpoints for all the subgroups that you have specified, whether that is in a submission, in the report, in the protocol, in the SAP, everywhere. And as lots of statisticians or study teams put lots of subgroups analysis in it, that multiplies. And then you have potentially also a couple of different endpoints or a couple of different analysis approaches that you want to look into. And that all multiplies with each other. So you very, very easily end up with thousands of summary statistics. So how do you make sense of that? My recommendation there is that you put all these summary statistics, yeah, so relative risks, risk difference, odds ratios with the confidence interval, sensor p-values and everything into such a dashboard that you can understand, where you can filter, sort, rearrange all the summary statistics. So you actually understand what you're submitting there uh, uh, to the GBA or the eQuick. Another point is, if you want to understand your overall benefit-risk ratio, it's probably good to have such a benefit-risk graphic, you know, be it a forest plot, a waterfall plot, or any other um, graphics that shows you the endpoints, uh, the benefit endpoints, the efficacy endpoints, and the tolerability, the safety endpoints, on the other hand, against each other. And especially if that benefit-risk ratio is not that robust, that it may depend on pretreatment, age, severity of the disease, co-medication, whatsoever, then it's really good to have that also in such a dashboard where you can precisely understand what you're submitting to the different regulators, where you can show here if I alter the cut point for age from 60 to 65 to 70 to 75, what's happening? What's happening with the numbers? You can really understand the robustness of your analysis that way. Do you see the same pattern again and again and again? Or are there some 
findings that you need to invest more into. Speaking about benefit risk, if you have a big safety pool, then of course you want to find subgroups with any increased safety risks. And of course, there's lots of lots of statistical ways to look into that, as if visualization is not statistical, but, but that's another topic. Their visualization and exploratory visualization can also help you to identify any, any safety risks. A couple of common ways where exploratory uh, visualizations are used. Well, we see it all the time. Yeah, comparison of treatment groups across subgroups, across time points, just at one time point, maybe for different, uh, different endpoints to look into the safety profile. By the way, safety. I don't know. I have the perception we as a field are not really pushing that forward as much as we should. There's a couple of people that really do great safety analysis and great safety visualizations. But far too often, I just see these tables with lots of lots of numbers in it. There's a presentation and then there's a table for number of adverse events, uh, number of patients with adverse events, number of patients with uh, serious adverse events, number of patients with adverse events leading to discontinuation, number of deaths, number of whatsoever, number of, um, couple of numbers for the interest of special, uh, adverse events of special interest, and so on and so on. And you see that for, let's say, three, four groups next to each other. And boom, you have 100 numbers on this slide. There's no way someone in a presentation can understand that. Still, you see these safety summary statistics and safety summary tables so often in uh, presentations, it would be much more helpful to visualize these. Maybe with some bar charts, very, very simple. And that way you can, you know, very fastly communicate, okay, here we see everything is the same across the different uh, treatments. And there's just this special AE that stands out. Okay, you can directly see that. Do you see that in a table with hundreds of numbers? In a presentation, you don't have the time for that. So let's just do it better. You can also display much easier special features of the data that you want to uh, show. Let's say you want to show how a certain cluster of patient is behaving very, very differently. Maybe you want to show that your drug works really, really well. Or maybe you want to show that your drug maintains the results really, really nicely. Or that it's really predictable or robust. So there's lots of lots of nice things that you can much easier show using explanatory visualizations. Now, before we go into the next episode with visualizations, I want to give you a couple of nice references. So the first reference is Storytelling with Data, written by Cole Nussbaum and Affleck. There's actually two books with that. One is the theoretical book, and then there's also 
Um, another book, the second book, that's called Storytelling with Data. Let's practice. The second one is awesome for learning yourself, visualization, but also for training your organization, training your colleagues, training even your physicians and, and other non-statisticians how to make better visualizations. Another book that I can highly recommend, and that was actually also recommended uh, uh, to me, thanks to Sex Krivenek for that, is Tamara Munzner's book, Visualization Analysis and Design. That's a quite sick book, lots of theory about it also, so um, lots of applications as well, but lots of the theoretical backgrounds as well, so that's, that's really nice. Another reference, as you are already listening to a podcast, is of course a podcast. That is the Data Stories podcast. And of course, we'll put these links all into the show notes. If you're looking more into dashboards, then I would recommend for you the big book of dashboards, which is a collection of lots of lots of different dashboards that are critiqued by the different authors. So you can understand what are the trade-offs, you know, that dashboard might look better here, depending on the purpose, maybe that display is better. And you learn also about how to arrange a dashboard. A really, really nice community project is the Makeover Monday. That's a project where um, if Murray and Andy Kriebel um, give you a data set and a visualization every week, then you have a couple of days to enhance, improve the visualization, send it back, and you may get feedback about it. So at the end of the, the week, um, both critique it and, and do a webinar about these different visualizations. And there's also a really, really nice gallery of lots of lots of visualizations on their homepage, uh, Makeover Monday. Another, well, source for sure, nice point to connect is the Data Visualization Society. Now, there are lots of different societies that are tool-based or set in a specific area like, like finance, for example, or business intelligence or something like this. Um, and the Data Visualization Society tries to bring all these different fields together, whether that's a tool-based like Tableau-based community or whether that's a finance community so that they all get together. And that, uh, that society has actually grown really, really fast. So check out what they do. They also publish quite a lot. In terms of publishing quite a lot, you can find a lot of examples on the D3 gallery on GitHub. That also, you know, especially if you uh, program in R, that's really, really nice things. And last but not least, as you are probably in the healthcare area, because that's where most of my listeners are, we have founded the special interest group. So that's a group for statisticians in the healthcare sector who are interested in visualization. And there's a couple of different activities that this uh, group runs, and maybe you want to join. 
just go to the uh, PSI homepage at psiweb.org and search there for the special interest group. And the last one, because it's visualization, it's alphabetically ordered, you will find the uh, this group there. So with these references, I'm ending this uh, solo episode. I hope you enjoyed it and you tune in next time for the next one. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain, who helps with the show in the background, and thank you for listening. Just go to theeffectivestatistician.com to find the show notes and all the references. Yes, yes, for this episode, there's actually quite a lot of references. So go there and check all these different references and learn more about our podcast to boost your career as a statistician in the health sector. And remember, just send an email to the other statisticians that you know and tell them about the podcast. That would be really, really great. So, like always, reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.